Well, good morning, everyone, and I'm glad you tuned in. I find mornings like this incredibly encouraging, and I am so grateful that we're able to do this. It's not ideal, I realize that, but it is a huge encouragement and help. And for those of you on the techie team, I want to, well, I want you to know actually that your expertise and your eye for detail, uh, the people have seen this far beyond the reaches of Kings and uh, they, it's been well noticed. So thank you for all you do. Right. We're going to go straight to Psalm 130 and the words will come up on screen. But I always encourage people to um, get their Bibles out because it helps you to know your way around God's Word. And uh, as you do that, I trust God might even may speak to you specifically about something. Perhaps you would underline a verse or write something in the margin. But let's get to Psalm 130. Out of the depths I cry to you, Lord. Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to my cry for mercy. If you, Lord, kept a record of wrongs, a record of sins, Lord, who could stand? But with you there is forgiveness, so that we can with reverence serve you. I wait for the Lord. My whole being waits, and in his word I put my hope. I wait for the Lord. More than watchmen Wait for the morning, more than watchmen wait for the morning. Israel, put your hope in the Lord. For with the Lord is unfailing love, and with him is full redemption. He himself will redeem Israel from all their sins. Now, in the Psalms, you have, the, you have songs for every season of life. And furthermore, you'll find it's not airbrushed either. Uh, there's no denial of pain and guilt, distress, despair. In, in fact, there are, these, there are numerous songs of lament, sad songs. And Psalm 130 starts like that. So out of the depths, I cry to you, Lord. Lord, hear my voice. And I find the writer of the Psalms, I find they strike a note in me. In, in the story of my life. And then I find actually that they express it a lot better than I do. That's why people say, take such comfort in the Psalms. So today is praying our guilt. Well, I have to say that sounds a bit heavy, to be honest. But just let's, be, let's face it, shall we? We're all human. And therefore, this is not foreign territory to us. So the first thing you notice that he is in a hole. You, you can't miss it. So there's two aspects I want to highlight today. What is the writer experiencing? And how do we get out of a hole like this? So what is the writer experiencing? You'll notice there's no introduction to this song. But there is a, there's no gradual way in, no soft approach. It's immediate. It's out there. As we would probably say today, it's in your face. Out of the depths I cry to you, O Lord. There's no detached, cool, measured, objective listing of symptoms. You don't find that here. This is raw. It's not a rarity in the Psalms either. David does the same in Psalm 69. 
He says, save me, O God, for the waters have come up to my neck. In other words, I am drowning. Do you know, in some parts of the world, feelings are readily expressed, actually even easily expressed. Funerals, for instance, would not be quiet and introspective. They would be wailing and cries and tears. There'd be a very outward expression of grief. But in more conservative cultures, it would be a much more measured occasion. Still grief, of course, but perhaps, perhaps less outwardly expressed. In whatever way we express our feelings, it's not good to deny them. That is for sure. The first thing to be aware of as we read this psalm is that he prays his feelings. Now, you've probably heard that before in this series, but it's an important thing to note. He prays his feelings, not merely about them. He pours them out to the Lord. Too often we vent our feelings to others rather than pray our feelings to God. Let me just say that line again. Too often we vent our feelings to others rather than pray our feelings to God. This man laments to God. You see, it's Godward. Certainly for the first six verses, it's all Godward. And he's taking this to the one to whom it really matters. Out of the depths, I cry to you, Lord. Now that particular word, depths, is used five times in the Old Testament. Each time with a negative implication of death and destruction. It is that deep. And uh, this man is telling you what he is feeling. He's in a pit that he can't get out of. I mean, he can jump up and down as much as he likes. He can try and scrabble up the walls, but he's not getting out of that pit. It is so deep. He's so far down. He's not even sure he can be seen. All he can do is cry out. And he, and he presses on in this time. He says, let your ears be attentive to my cry for mercy. Now, listen... In this psalm, it's important to recognize that the the writer here is not asking for help. Actually, he's crying out for mercy. Let your ears be attentive to my cry for mercy. To cry out for help is one thing. But to cry out for mercy, that's a very different matter. It's very specific. Particularly as he follows it up with the next two verses here. If you, Lord, kept a record of sins... Lord, who could stand? But with you there is forgiveness so that we can with reverence serve you. I still remember as a young man uh, when I came back to the Lord after I'd fallen away um, for a number of years. And uh, when I came back to the Lord, I, I just knew I needed mercy. I knew I needed mercy. I, and the reason was I'd run out of options. I, I had changed my job, and, uh, and I, I changed where I live. I moved hundreds of miles to a different place. The thing I couldn't change was myself. I was in a hole. I, I still wanted to do something to justify myself. I, I, I wanted to try and get out of the hole myself, but of course I couldn't. I, I, in doing that, I wanted to prove that I was worth investing in. You know, I was in such a hole. I was bankrupt of ideas and I was bankrupt of integrity as well. 
I was a mess. This sort of resonates with me out of the depths. I cry to you, Lord. I needed mercy and I knew it. And that was it. And I found 40 years plus further on that this is not a one-off transaction. I need the mercy of God every day. Every day. I am so thankful for the mercy of God. And New Testament writers do the same. They, they're, they're thankful for the mercy of God. Paul writes, uh, because of his great love for us, he then says, God who is rich in mercy made us alive in Christ. Now, there's two things I want to highlight in here when we're talking about, um, when we're talking about forgiveness. Uh, there's things called, there's two terms here, guilt and shame. Now, guilt is feeling bad about what we've done, but shame is feeling bad about who we are becoming. Guilt is breaking the rules. Shame is the loss of the person we hoped we would become. They're sometimes independent of one another, but mostly it's associated with what we have done. Guilt can in some ways be easier than shame. You know, I do wrong, I cross a boundary, I, I apologize, I put things right. You know, for instance, I, perhaps I say something insensitive, rash, even hurtful, and, and then I apologize. It can be very specific. But shame, on the other hand, goes deeper. I'm insensitive, for instance, and I'm brash. I put someone down, and then I ask the question, why do I do that? Why, why do I belittle someone in order to big myself up? And that's the shame part. Guilt and shame, so damaging in your life. I mean, it's destructive. It creates fear. You know, it creates a fear that one day I'll be found out. Now, the author of the Sherlock Holmes stories is the man called Sir Arthur Conan Doyle. And he's reported to have written a, a note to some very famous people in England. And all it said on the note was, all is discovered, flee at once. Now, within two days, as the story goes, a number, if not all, had left the country. Now, whether the story is true or false, it came out of a conversation that no matter how respectable a household was, Everybody had something to hide, something which they feel, felt both guilt and shame. It creates a fear that I'll be found out, fear that if other people know that, I'll be rejected, fear that they will really know what I'm really like. My friends, we need mercy. We need mercy. The cross is the most significant event in history for you and me. Most people don't even know why. Even Christians can miss it. You know, when Jesus was nailed to that cross, Luke records his first words on the cross. In Luke 23, verse 34, he says, Father, forgive them because they, for they do not know what they're doing. If you, Lord, kept a record of sins, who could stand? But with you there is forgiveness. 
Then if you look into verse 7, he writes, Israel, put your hope in the Lord, for the Lord is with the Lord is unfailing love, and with him is full redemption. Now he says this because this is his experience. This isn't all academic in here. This is his experience. He personally knows forgiveness. I suppose my question for you is, do you? I really hope you do, but do you know forgiveness? In his book, The War of Loves, which is uh, subtitled The Unexpected Story of a Gay Activist Discovering Jesus, uh, David Bennett is in this church meeting. And they're in a time of corporate worship together. And in this time, he senses the presence of God. And then God begins to bring to the surface all his anger and this root of bitterness in him. And, and this is what he writes. I felt... God's power come upon me. As my chest trembled, this deep root of pain was pulled out of some place deep within me. And finally and gloriously, I was free from past injury. My heart had been set free and softened. And a little bit later, he says, my bitterness from being rejected by Christians and God was removed replaced with a knowledge of just how deep God's love for this world and for me went. He experiences the forgiveness and the love of God, just like this in the Psalms here. There are different routes that people take with guilt and shame. Some endeavor to bury it. The trouble with burying it, it has a habit of coming back to the surface. It's like a ball. You put a football and you uh, put it in the bath, and you submerge it, take your hand off it, up it comes. To bury it. You can deal with your past, but you can't bury it. So how do we bury it? Well, we minimize it. Doesn't really matter. It was back then. It's, it's not important anymore. You know, sometimes regrets lay buried because the very memory of them is incredibly painful. We don't want to go there. We, we, we don't want to face that situation. I've seen this as a pastor many times. I've talked to many people who've had buried regrets. And sometimes they've served years later, even decades. Buried but not dead. Hidden but still powerful. Or we rationalize it. Everybody does it. Or we blame others. And we see that right at the very beginning of the Bible, when Adam sins, uh, he has the whole run of the place about one thing, don't eat the fruit of that tree. However, his wife does. And then he does. And in his defense to God, he says, the woman gave it to me. But actually, that's not the whole, whole line, actually. His words are, the woman you put here with me, she gave it to me. Uh, God, just to be clear, this is her fault. And furthermore, you're not in the clear either. It's 
blaming others. No, 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 no. You can't do that. You take responsibility for your own actions. You, because you make your own decisions. Don't pass the buck. So how do we get out of a hole like this? Rick Warren says there's um, two strategies that Satan has about sin. So prior to sinning, he minimizes it. Doesn't matter. However, his strategy after sin is to maximize it. So Martin Lloyd-Jones, who preached at Westminster Chapel for over 40 years, recalls an older man who was 77 years old and given his life to Christ. And he became a member of that church. And in their tradition, he was able to receive his first communion. This glorious day. He was incredibly happy. And the next morning, he was back at at Martin Lloyd-Jones' house, weeping uncontrollably, utterly dejected. And during the night, he remembered the occasion where he'd been drinking heavily with others. And in an argument, as the probably the alcohol had taken its toll, he said with contempt that Jesus Christ was a bastard. It all came back to him. It was okay to forget about his drinking, gambling, immorality. That could all be forgiven, but not what he said about Jesus. That was that one thing. Some of you will know something like this. It'll be different. It may not be that. It might be something different. That one thing. This isn't rare. Look, my friends, we're in a spiritual battle. So let's not forget. And let's not forget that. Reminders like this are a chief weapon of the enemy. God wants you to be free. The Lord wants you to be free. He's rich in mercy. He's rich in mercy. He has more than enough. It's not a one-off transaction. So we need to give the Lord time. We give time to speak to us. God loves you. And by his Holy Spirit, he'll transform your life. He will do it. He is patient. And you will know that. And he is kind. You have to give yourself time and opportunity to reflect about your life. Some people do this every day. It's not a bad thing to do. You could do this every week. But you need to do it. And you'll find the Lord will bring things to mind. He'll bring things to mind and, and, uh, they'll, and it'll be very specific, won't be general. And, and, and we repent. We tell him we're sorry. We, we're not going to live that, that way. So I would ask you, be honest. No excuses. Take responsibility for the things you've done. Don't minimize it. Don't rationalize it. Tell God about it. Name it. I encourage you to speak it out. You may not like hearing yourself say it, but speak it out. If there's an apology to make, then make it. To confess is to take responsibility. So be specific. For instance, if I shouted at my wife Des, and I, I, I then should say to I should I should say to her, uh, darling, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I shouted like like that at you. I. I, I shouldn't speak to you like that. I, that's, that's a no excuse. The, the one with an excuse is, darling, 
I'm, I'm sorry I shouted at you. I've just had a bad day. No, that's an excuse. I shouldn't speak like that. You see, you own it. Lying, cheating, gossiping, stealing, ruining somebody's reputation. My friends, name it. Jesus came to save people from their sins. That's what he came to do. Don't be in denial because it's just destructive. And you know, the more you hide, the more you hurt. Ask God for his forgiveness. Don't make light of all that Jesus has accomplished on the cross. 1 John 1 verse 9 says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. And I want to tell you, it's also a a process. It's a transformation takes time. So he waits for the morning. In In other words, he knows it's going to take time. This is part of the rhythm of the Christian life. But my friends, morning will come. He will transform you. So keep coming to God and asking for his forgiveness. Look at this man. He starts at a very personal level and then he goes public. He says, Israel, put your hope in the Lord. For with the Lord is unfailing love and with him is full redemption. He himself will redeem Israel from all their enemies. He won't give up on you. And even when you give up on yourself, you'll find he won't give up on you because he's committed to transform you. Because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive in Christ. My friends, put your hope in the Lord. Well, I'm going to pray, and I'm going to pray for us today. So if that's you and you just, just put your hands out um, like this and, and let's ask God, because God can do anything anywhere and come and meet with you and he will know what's on your heart and the things that trouble you. So let's hold our hands out to him. And Father, I pray that you give people boldness today that you give them courage. You give them a confidence that you will do this, that you will forgive us our sins. You will cleanse us. There will be people today, Lord, who will be clean for the first time. There will be some here today who will have experienced what it is to be so clean in God that they never realized they could be that clean. Lord, do it among us. Come by the grace of your Spirit and the kindness of God. Lord, pour it upon us, we pray, right where we are. Give us courage to come to you, believing that you will transform us. Because the morning comes, it always comes. Thank you, Lord. 